Hello, and welcome to Potlucky, a weed sommelier podcast. My name is Liz, and I am your host and weed sommelier. I review weed products, recommend things to munch on, and talk to guests about their history with cannabis. I've been a consumer for nine years, and I am located in southern Maine, where it is legal medically and recreationally. I am joined today by Austin, otherwise known as Bat Sassin. He is a DM, a GM, um, and a real G because he brought some weed. Uh, welcome to the show, Austin. Thanks, I'm excited to be here. Oh, I, I appreciate you providing content, uh, you know, sharing your honesty with me. How long have you been a weed consumer, and do you have any weedy credentials you'd like to share? I've been smoking for nine years now, uh, since I was 18, um, and I used to post a lot on Instagram. My biggest things were posting half-gram dabs. Got a couple videos on there. Any other uh, feats you'd like to mention, even if they weren't? You know, brilliant in retrospect. You can still talk about things that you found, you know, particularly impressive. Uh, I, I've just, I never really cared where I smoked. I've hiked mountains and stuff with my dab rigs and just taken dabs right on top of the mountains and cliffs in New Hampshire. Wow, White Mountains? <laughs> uh, no, um, there's a sp- specific cliff that I love to do the most. It's right in Barrington. It's uh, at Stonehouse Pond. It's just a sheer mountain cliff or a sheer rock cliff and you can walk around and climb up one side of it. And I brought my whole rig case, torch and everything up there. Got pictures of that actually too. You weren't afraid of like dropping your piece? I brought it up in a pelican case. The only time I was worried was when I was sitting on the edge of the cliff. I don't know what a pelican case is. Uh, It's usually used for like cameras and stuff to protect them from drops and stuff like that. It's got uh, styrofoam that you can cut out to fit your needs. Oh, that's pretty cool. I I was always so entertained by, like, when you would open a box and it's like, oh, it's perfectly cut for this thing. And now, in retrospect, I'm like, I think that'd probably be pretty easy to do. Like, you know, if you wanted to do, like, I don't know, foam in a box with velvet over the top and, like, um, cut out, like, I don't know, like a bottle of alcohol or something, I think that'd be, like, a really cool gift to give to someone. Or just have a very obnoxious kind of, like, um what do you call it, like a cutout, and just like, oh, this was obviously a gun, and it's filled with marbles or something like that. <laughs> I think there could be, you know, some concept art in a, what would you even call that, like? Just cutouts, cutouts? I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, cutouts in a pelican case, I guess. I think, I don't know, I think in a movie, like, visual gags like that are very silly and funny. And it's, but I mean, like, it could also be used in, like, shadow boxes and stuff like that. Oh, that's a, that's a great way to put it, like a... a almost like a reverse shadow box it's just the shadow mm-hmm. um all right so we uh you said you were smoking since you were 18 how many years would you say that nine nine years okay ah about the same I, t- I i i bump it up a year every year on 420 because it feels the most thematically appropriate so uh in a couple of days i'll be hitting uh hitting 10 years uh, so it didn't, wasn't 420, but it was around March, April when I started for the first time. So I could just say 420. <laughs> you know, that's just like what people did with Jesus's birthday. It's his second birthday, I guess. They're like, oh, there's this fertility festival. It's going around around the same time. Let's just co-op that. And now it's about Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get into religion because I've, I've got very strong uh, beliefs on that. But uh, a yeah. lot of different religions do that to each other yeah i mean i'm thinking about it now and i feel like that's maybe a universal thing like oh you're doing something on this day we will also do something like i i oh my gosh in japan apparently on christmas they go out and get kfc 
I mean, that's okay. That's kind of a different thing, but isn't that I mean, It's it's kind of funny though, because like a lot of people here on Christmas, well, if they're not cooking at home, they're getting Chinese. Exactly, and so that's. That reminds me of, like, in Futurama, where, like, French was the language that was extinct. In France, it's, like, German. Um, did you watch Futurama? That made I love Futurama. Okay, there's, the, like, the translator radio, and it says, bonjour. It's like, oh, it's a dead language. We don't know what it means. One of my uh, favorite scenes from Futurama is actually exactly how D&D is. Uh, when Bender goes to bend the wooden door. And uh, Fry and Leela are like, you can't bend a wooden door. And Bender goes, well, I know that, and you know that, but this door looks pretty stupid. <laughs> and then he bends the door, and yeah, that's D&D in a nutshell. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Um, so, uh, like I said earlier, Austin is a DM and a GM. I, I keep wanting to say BM afterward, but I don't have a, a more fun acronym for that. Um, but that means Dungeon Master and Game Master. So we've talked about D&D a little bit. Um, but we'll, and we'll talk about it more later. But first, we've got to get through the first five minutes of the show. Would you like to know about this week's weed product? Yeah. All right. Well, you handled it earlier, so you should already know a little bit about it. Um, we are talking about the disposable uh, Charles and Catherine at the Gangier, or sorry, Old Man of the Mountain on Instagram. Uh, two Gangiers I met and befriended. They have a previous episode. I don't know if you've listened to it yet. I think I just finished it. Oh, cool beans. Um, yeah, if you want to be on the show, it helps to listen to the show a little bit. Know how things go. Um, oh my gosh. we Like I said, we just tried it out um, before we started recording. I'm feeling it. So we're going to have another smaller smoke break later, um, you know, for the ad reads and whatnot. But I, I don't know. I also have... I have mixed feelings about it, but I feel like it's generally positive. Like, there are definitely uses for this product, but I would say, I don't know, there are more appropriate times than others, I guess. I agree. It's definitely not a uh, daily use type of thing. It would be more for traveling or when you just don't want to really carry glass or bother with rolling something up. Yeah, because you could drop that a couple of times, man. I mean, you'd have to worry about your your piece blowing away, but, you know, you'd still have the bowl. And, you know, this bowl seems... We're, we're going to talk about this more later, but, you know, if you wanted to make, like, an apple pipe or a fruit pipe, I imagine that bowl would come in handy. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you wouldn't have to... St you know, there's a joke about 10 millimeter sockets being the ones that are the most, uh, the hardest to find. And I'm thinking, now it's like, oh, because people keep smoking weed out of them. Um, cause like 10 minutes, that's yep. probably like a, a really good standard size. Um, we solved it. We solved a mystery gang. Um, it was not, you know, who, who's the guy that jumped out of a plane with all that money? Uh, D.B. Cooper? Yes. So we didn't figure out who D.B. Cooper was, which would have been my goal, but we did figure out where all those 10 millimeters went. It, um, it's funny cause earlier, uh, when I was talking to Justin, I couldn't remember the word for socket and he... I just was just so dumbfounded that, oh my god, it's Socket. Yeah, yeah. Pop Socket. Or Hot Pocket. I was trying to <laughs> pop Socket. Um, anyway, uh, let's talk about the munchie moment for the week. What do you like to snack on when you have the munchies? Uh, lately, I've been snacking on pepperoncinis, the little uh, pickled peppers that you usually find in your salad at Olive Garden. Uh, I'll either yeah. add them to a sandwich or just eat them straight out of the jar. What else do you put on that sandwich? Uh, ham, turkey, salami, chipotle lime, mayo, and uh, some hot sauce. Lately, it's been a maple uh, 
Creole hot sauce from Louisiana, and then I finish it with a garlic Himalayan uh, salt. Woof. I forgot what we were talking about for a second, and my brain jumped to pancakes for a little bit. I'm like, oh, putting garlic aioli salt on top. That's that's an interesting choice. But, uh, yeah, I can appreciate how it's... And it's not just spicy. There's also a little, like, little crunch. Um, and there's, like, a, kind of a refreshing aspect. Um, I, I grew up eating pepperoncinis, and that's... I don't even know how to say it anymore. That's how people said it at the deli that I worked at. Um, pepperoncino is another way I've heard it. Um, what did you say? Pepperoncini. Pepperoni, yeah. Something <laughs> you see, I've um, you know I hear I hear a lot of it. Gabagool. Um, Capicola. Um, my recommended munch for this week. I'm gonna say Easter candy. I you know we're recording this the day after Easter, at, uh, you know April 10th. I have a basket of Easter candy, but I'm gonna say specifically. When you, uh, this, this recommended munch, go find yourself an Easter basket, or better yet, make your own basket. I made that basket that's sitting right there, and I feel very proud of it, which is why I just said it out loud and pointed, even though there's only one person in the room. Um, so my, the best, the best way to eat jelly beans is when there are, you know, some caught in the folds of the wicker, and, like, it's like a second egg hunt, man. Like, it's just, you get, that's frosting, like, everything else, you know, that was the cake, and then you, and you got frosting and sprinkles afterward. My least favorite kind of Easter candy is like the robin's egg. Do you know what those are? I actually love the robin's egg, and I've always hated jelly beans. Okay, well, I I've, it's, it's blasphemous. I have I have the munchie moment to send home with you then, because <laughs> I'm I'm so not a fan. I like the ones that are like gum, um, and they're like they're so deceptively similar. It's like um, that Pokemon that's trying to be Pikachu. Except for, no, okay, yeah, it's like it's it Ditto is a better a better way to do it because the one that's trying to look like Pikachu does not look like, you know the. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I thought that was the one. He, no, usually... not Ditto. Oh, there's a, there's another one. Uh, it is like a it, it's it's from a newer generation where it's I think like, I know looks like a sad sack. About. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know its name. There's a lot of the new Pokemon that I don't know their name, even though I just finished playing the newest game and now <sighs> I'm playing Pearl. Oh, Pearl's the game that I got. Shining Pearl. Okay. The remake. The remix. I, uh, Pearl, one of the games that I really, really got into Pokemon. I had Sapphire before, um, but, like, this is one where I would, like, pull my DS out and, like, play it, because I I enjoyed it so much, and I could play with my brother and my sister, who, they both got Diamond, or no, Kate and I got Pearl, and my brother got Diamond, so we could swap, uh, Mm -hmm. because when you have siblings, you gotta, you know, you gotta do that. You gotta get a different one, and they they get to choose first, because they're older. Uh, one of my close friends, I actually consider him more of a brother than a friend. Uh, he has all the opposite games that I have. We had planned it that way. That's so sweet. Um, I don't know. That's 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 really lovely. I, I can appreciate stuff like that because I have a twin sibling, and we uh, if we didn't get the same article of clothing, we got you know matching ones in some way or the other. Uh, I know what it's like to be part of a pair. Uh, all right, I don't have a good segue for this. But uh, I feel like if I had a pear, you know, handy right now, we could smoke out of it. Um, uh, on the topic of smoke, are you ready to do some weed? Oh, yeah, always. All right, let's do it. My name is Liz Lane, and I suffer from a chronic illness. I spend most of my time focusing on taking care of myself and pain management. However, there are certain things I just can't do for myself that make a huge difference when it comes to my quality of life. 
I've been working with my massage therapist, Kayla, at Ascension Massage since she was a student. Kayla and I have developed a trust that allows me to relax and her to accomplish bodywork that leaves me feeling like my pain no longer consumes me constantly. Massage therapy has given me part of my life back that I thought was gone for good. Kayla and her mother, Carrie, are accepting clients seven days a week in Kennebunk. Reach out to them at ascensionmassagemain.com and they'll be in touch. We are back. Austin has a weed word that he would like to share with us. If you or a friend have a word that you think deserves airtime, leave us a message on Anchor. Make sure to include your name, a definition, and its use in a sentence. I guarantee you, if you do this, it will be on the podcast uh, pending absolute foulness. So take it away, Austin. Uh, hi, uh, my name's Austin. My weed word of the day is lung. A lung is a waterless gravity bong, usually made with a two-liter bottle and a bread bag. Um, you're definitely going to have to go, like, not only are you giving me a definition, you're going it, it to uh, give it to me as a sentence as well, um, and then you're going to have to, like, paint a beautiful picture, because I, I need to I see these things. I don't know how to use it in a sentence, other than, like, I, I actually really don't, like... Yeah. I mean, like it's a, it's a it's an adjective, right? So, or like a, a noun. A noun. Okay, so. Hey, you want to go rip a lung, something like that? Be careful with that lung, or you'll destroy your lungs. Yeah. So. Lung. That is that one threw me for a loop. So how? What is the construction again? So you start off with a two-liter bottle and you construct it the same way you would for a gravity bong. You cut off the bottom, you put a hole in the top, and you put a socket in there. Thank you for remembering that word. <laughs> um, and then you take a bread bag and you put it over the hole that you cut into the bottom of it, and you either secure it with tape or rubber bands, anything to really just create an airtight seal. You take the cap off and you inhale so the bag goes all the way up into the bottle. You fill your cap with weed, you put it on there, and then you light it as you slowly pull the bag out. And then once you're good, you uncap it and just inhale. I'm real. I'm having a hard time conceptualizing this in my head, so we'll have to. I'll, I'll either have to make this myself or find a picture later. But that's bananas. That's such a that's such a wild thing to come up with. No, uh, we used to do it as a uh, portable gravity bong. We'd take it in the car. We'd go. I remember a couple times down at Rye Beach in uh, New Hampshire, just doing stupid stuff when I was young and dumb. <laughs> you know, and that's not suspicious to have in the back of your car. I mean, taped together, absolutely, yes. But, you know, you can keep It was those. in a backpack. Yeah? Yeah, was it a specialized backpack? A duck? No. A, a pelican case? No, it was just a normal backpack. I'm pretty sure it was one that I used to use for school. Yeah. Uh, I don't think your parents had that in mind, you know, when they... they I'm not going to assume they got you a backpack. You could have gotten that backpack yourself. But, like, I don't think the producer, you know... Of backpacks intended for uh, weed paraphernalia to be stored in there, but good for you for like reusing and whatnot. Um, we're oh sorry, did you use it in a sentence? Any yep. other things you'd like to add about the lung? If you're gonna do it, just be careful. It packs a harsher punch than a gravity bong, but it will do the trick. Yeah. So you introduced me, reintroduced me to the term dry smoking, or uh, what did you say? Uh, dry. Uh, dry piece. A dry piece, yes. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about the disposable 
Uh, I had both a pre-made one ready to go that I got at an independent diamond brokers, uh, you know, a main, uh, main growers market networking event. Uh, it was just sitting on the table and everyone was leaving. And so, yoink, uh, you know, it seemed like there were a couple there for people to have. And I got one from Charles and Catherine at an event at Pamelab or Pamelab, not quite sure. Uh, and they they gave me a three pack and said this is me thanking them for that. Thank you very much I'll have to get Catherine back on the show soon uh, How are we feeling? Feeling pretty good right now I also feel pretty good I have a chronic illness and my muscles tend to really tense up and I feel nice and loose It's uh Feels nice Yeah uh, So talking about the weed Let's get your thoughts You know out in front hear what you have to say not the, uh, the, the weed uh, like the, the smoking we were not talking about the weed this week exclusively the piece so the disposable I, it's nice but it's I don't know it's not my thing it would be useful for traveling or taking it somewhere like a concert or an event where you can't really get in a joint as easy because you could construct this inside um, or a bowl because well you don't want to break it but it's definitely not something I would use on a daily. Um, I don't. I feel like it was. While you can reuse it, it would be best for one use because unless you really spend the time cleaning it, uh, we smoked two bowls of it out of one, and it got pretty harsh on that second one. But that was. I mean, that was towards the end. You know, if someone was dedicated and had a toothpick, uh, the bag says you don't need a. What do you call it? A filter or a, a screen? Um, and that's because there are level 11 little holes punched out in the bottom. Um, and we, we had a heck of a time trying to figure out uh, if we needed the, the paper sleeve or not. Um, but I don't know. I think you were right. And we, we settled on like it actually works a little bit better if it, you take the paper sleeve off the bowl. Yeah, which is funny because they recommend to leave the paper sleeve on. But I felt like it had a uh, tighter airflow uh, with the paper off. I agree. Uh, yeah, so I, I have a lot of thoughts about this. I have a whole page full of notes. Um, this thing I think would be excellent for like, uh, like you said, you know, a concert or a place where you're okay if you have to ditch it. Like, um, and like if you're going through maybe not an airport or maybe an airport, that could be good. Uh, it might be a little suspicious to have a spiky little thimble kind of in my, in my pack. Uh, it looked like a salt shaker with a little sleeve on. Uh, it also felt like a cool improvised weapon if I were like in prison or something and I could like like put it on my thumb and scratch someone. I mean, in, in a pinch you could use it as a cheese grater. Yeah, cheese grater. Speaking of cheese grater, we grated the weed with a cheese grater. Um, little tiny itty bitty baby one. And that was pretty fun and it actually worked really well and I think maybe like I don't know would a regular cheese grater work as well the holes were certainly smaller but like i don't know either way i'm bringing it to my next smoke sesh because i i couldn't find a mortar and pestle and that was my next ideal kind of grinding method i've seen videos of people doing that and i've kind of wanted to do it i bet cooking in it later you kind of get that like little weed funk if you're like grinding up you know pepper black pepper and then later when you're smoking weed i bet you get some of that pepper funk I wouldn't mind the weed in the pepper, but I would mind the pepper in the weed. I think, you know, because black pepper is supposed to, like, uh, you know, help you calm down a little bit and regulate your terpenes or something along those lines. Uh, so I think it'd be counterintuitive, kind of like, 
having a humidifier and a dehumidifier in the same room. Yeah. Uh, I liked the 70s font. It was green and yellow, which is, I mean, I feel like all weed products, you know, they have to have a little green on them somewhere, some reference to green, like, so people, you know, disposable. I like the name. I'm a fan of the pun, but I don't know exactly how disposable this is. I w initially, when I got it, I was a little bummed that there's so much to throw away, but you can, you know, I feel you can recycle the cardboard, um, you know, the little paper sleeve, and it, you could definitely find other uses for the little bowl, but I feel like it would end up like those little jars. Do you have a million little jars at your house? Yes. Yeah, so I collect those. Um, and I have a huge bag in my room and I don't know what to do with them. So uh, I'm gonna collect them up until I have a full bag and then I'm gonna ask people like, how, how am I supposed to recycle these? You put these products in the world, you are responsible for taking them out. Like, you know, what is it when you go hiking, like a take only pictures, leave only footprints, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this, I've heard cheese grater down a couple of times. Um, it's stainless steel. I looked online. The website said it had ivory or like white ivory uh, paper of some kind, uh, which I don't know if you need to say white and ivory. That could be me adding it in. Um, it has a little recycling tri triangle at the end. It's a steamroller. These are things that are, it's really easy. And I think, you know, a bonus is not having to like whip out a piece and put it together. Like, this is, if you have a quick smoke break and you can be a little discreet and walk away, this is something, you know, you might not take it back with you, like in your pocket, but, uh, you can, it says to run the bowl under cold water before you throw it away or just, uh, make sure it's not hot anymore, because you could, I, I could see someone, you know, ripping and ripping this piece, and then when it's finally, you know, too choked out in the bottom to pull through, I could imagine them, you know, dumping this into a basket and perhaps setting some tissues on fire. Yeah, I could see that. Have you seen the movie Orange County by any chance with Jack not. Black? Oh, he sets uh, he sets something on fire in a trash can. The curtains go up and he sets like a house on fire. Spo spoiler alert, I guess. Sorry for the people that haven't seen that movie. I haven't seen it yet either. I've just seen the clip. Um, yeah. Uh, sleeve or no sleeve was an issue we had. And I think maybe they suggest the sleeve so that the bottom is further away. Uh, like the spiky bit. Um, you know, the metal in comparison to the paper. Um, I wonder how hot this thing would get. Um, and how, what it would take to set it on fire. That was my other thought. Maybe the paper was there to keep the, uh, metal from the actual paper of the disposable to keep it, the heat away. Yeah, but there was, uh, we took the sleeve off and there was still room, which is Yeah, there was, I out. mean, I didn't feel any excess heat either, but. Yeah. So you can buy a three pack for $5. Uh, the company's from New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of a corn cob pipe and, like, I don't know, maybe that would be something you could keep on your person as well. That's perhaps, like, it's, it's a little weird to have a corn cob on your person, but, uh, I don't know, I'm, I prefer water in my pieces as well. However, this isn't totally unpleasant. It felt very, like, clean the first time we did it, and I felt like I could taste the terpenes a lot better. Um, yeah, so you could get these in single and multiple packs. Uh, food grade ivory board. So I did add, I did add the white. Uh, that was on me. Sorry, gang. Uh, and they have a tagline that says, a fresh smoke with every toke. I don't That's disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, uh, surprisingly, the, uh, uh, it, it's technically cardboard. It's still holding up pretty well, too. I mean, it's not wet or anything. You could, I feel like with a fresh bowl head, go again and to be just as good as a new one. 
Yeah, so it's it's funny that the, the paper is more reusable than the thing that, like, the, the metal. Um, but I haven't tried cleaning this yet. I'll see how that goes. But the only other two talking points I wanted to touch on were it says don't use a torch. I can absolutely understand why you wouldn't want to use a torch. And I'm wondering if that wasn't always on the packaging. Like, at what point did they figure out that they needed to put it on there twice? Yeah, I mean, I could see somebody trying to use a torch and catching the whole thing on fire and, uh... Yeah. That could lead to a lawsuit if they didn't have that on there. Is it all supposed to be on fire? Um, and then the <laughs> other thing is that uh, it says for tobacco use, which uh, I guess you could say that. Uh, tobacco use only, on the other hand. Uh, I feel like that's just kind of like ass covering. Yeah, so any final thoughts? I had one, but I lost it. Yeah, that's okay. If it comes to you later, we can revisit, but no worries if not. Alright, oh, actually, I was gonna say this thing actually, I think, would be really good for, like, air travel, or I guess boat travel, like, it folds up pretty tidily, um, but once you put it together, I think you could also probably, like, pack it back down. It might stink, but and that's something I'll, I'll have to do research into, but this is a curious product, and I have more investigating to do. I think you could get away with, uh, getting it through an air detector or like a metal detector if you put the uh, metal part into like a sewing kit or something like that. Or like a makeup kit. That's I know people, I'm not going to out them, never mind. I'm not going to, TSA, stop listening. There's there's no information for you. Uh, so moving on to Blowing Smoke, the interview portion. What was your first experience with weed, Austin? Uh, other than D.A.R.E. while I was in school, um, which they lied to me, no one has ever offered me free weed. Um... <laughs> I offered you weed before we started. Okay, fine. All, all right. Well, I, never been it's it's different because I brought some. Like we're we're sharing. Yeah. Okay. But like nobody's just like out on the street. Like, hey, kid, you want to try some weed? That's never happened. No it happens to me all the time. But yeah, <laughs> sorry, continue. Well, they lied to me at least. Um, other than that, no. Uh, when I moved to New York, I was only there for a short time. I was in upstate. Uh, I had started smoking with my aunt. Um, then I moved back and I actually stopped after that for about six months yeah you said you've been you know smoking since you were 18 uh so how backing up a little bit did you have a cool fun aunt yes okay uh so my my family is very strange um she's an aunt that's older than me but i actually have an aunt that's younger than me too so like me and my aunt that uh, smoked with me she's only a couple years older than i am so we're more like siblings than really anything else that's pretty cool uh, but it was her, her boyfriend, her boyfriend's brother, and one of their roommates. Um, yeah. Uh, it was actually my first time. It was a bong, and I threw up. <laughs> oh, man. Did, yep. you, did you drink the bong water? Uh, I think I just, like, swallowed the smoke or something. A um, couple days later, they were smoking the backwoods, and I joined in on that, and I, it was, it was that, it was... I was sold. <laughs> yeah, so did you feel anything the first time you tried it? Uh, I felt Besides sick. sick? Yeah, okay, <laughs> all right. That was a given, but... You know, I, I appreciate your candor. Uh, you know, we've all... We've all vomited, unless there are people that exist that can't, and that's incredibly dangerous. Uh, did you know that giraffes uh, can't vomit, otherwise they'll suffocate? I did not know that. Hmm. Don't give a giraffe an emetic, or uh, Yeah. Don't give giraffes anything. That's not your job. Um, uh, do you have a preference for how you consume it? I prefer dabs. Uh, if I'm not doing dabs, I'm smoking flowers, either a joint or a bong. 
Uh, I used to be big on blondes, but not as much anymore since I quit cigarettes. Well, good for you. And, you know, you've started vaping, and a question I have is, like, have you felt that it's helped mitigate, you know, the amount you smoke? Two packs a day uh, seemed like quite a bit. I, I feel like I don't vape as much, and I do feel better vaping than I ever did on cigarettes, but I still hope to eventually quit this, too. Yeah, uh, you know, some people use it as a, a way to quit, but other people, you know, there's also the thing, like, oh, you could get hooked on it, and, like... I keep seeing these ads like, oh, my son thought it was just juice or fruit juice that he was vaping, and how could fruit juice be bad? And fruit juice, number one, can be very bad because it doesn't have enough fiber in it. Uh, that, that's besides the and point. And most of them are, like, all sugar. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so the fiber, like, when you eat a piece of fruit is different than when you drink fruit juice. Like, orange juice was invented to sell more oranges. Hmm. And so, you know, it takes, like, four oranges to get a glass of orange juice, but, you know, after eating an orange for breakfast, you're, like, semi-full. Um, that's because of the fiber, as opposed to just the, just having a puddle of liquid. I've never been a fan of orange juice, unless, unless there's liquor involved. Like a screwdriver? Uh, tequila sunrise? I'm not familiar. It's tequila, orange juice, and grenadine. Ooh. Uh, but you let the grenadine, like, rest on the bottom so it looks like a sunrise. That's pretty cool. I, I, oh, I just have a, fun, a memory of like uh, getting a mixed drink that I didn't realize I like should probably stir, and I'm like, oh, this is great. It's just like juice. I'm like, <laughs> All of a sudden, it's very, very alcoholic. Um, but I like it when a drink melts, so you kind of keep sipping the ice, and it's like a little bit, a little bit of that flavor. So that sounds pretty good. I'll have to try that. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. So how did you get interested? D&D and what you know aspect of it was the most compelling oh so this was back I want to say 2014 or 15 I was working at Staples and I had met somebody who actually like knew my family um, and he had just invited me over one day was like hey we're playing D&D do you want to come play and I was like I've got no idea he's like do you like Skyrim and I was like I love Skyrim and yeah, so I went over uh, and made my first character and I never thought that I'd be the person to like get into character and like really act it out, but I, w I was wrong. I went full all out into character and um, we played for a good year or two together and then the group fell apart and I stopped really, I didn't have a group to play with. Like uh, I got back into it in 2020, uh, but as a DM. And I found, because uh, now I both DM and play, I found I like DMing more than anything else. I, as someone who likes to improvise, I find, uh, I really enjoy like the storytelling aspect of D&D. &D. And so that's something I was interested in, you know, having a hand in crafting a story. Uh, what, are, what are the other aspects that you enjoy? Um, really being able to just throw my players for some really crazy twists and just have them shocked and a lot of the times it'll be I'll, I'll go into a session and i'll be like i should have prepped for this and i didn't do any prep and i'll just completely wing it all improv and that will come they'll come away saying like it was one of the best sessions they've had in a while and it really makes me think like am i terrible at prep or Aww. am i just like or is this just one that just stood out because of some reason or another? I I have a tendency to overthink, and a lot of people do. And so sometimes 
I'm so busy like in improv it's not you know what you bring to the table it's what you're reacting to so you don't try to prepare a bunch of stuff beforehand unless you're practicing so I think I don't know maybe your players got really more because they were like well one, one of the big things about prepping for D&D is you can't really prep you everything that has to do with D&D is based off of the players reactions and you reacting to them so you can have like an outline to a story, but you can't really plan anything from start to finish because you never know what your players are going to do. Is um, that exciting? Yes, and sometimes it's frustrating. Um, there have been countless times where we've spent an hour in real life with them arguing around the table because they can't figure out how they want to open this door. The door's unlocked, and they're sitting there arguing on whether they're going to kick it in, use a fireball, unlock it, test it for traps. Uh, and same. Yeah, there's a door there. I don't know what's behind it. And I'm just sitting there like, all right, guys, we've wasted an hour. You guys can just turn the handle. Like, But I don't want to tell them because that takes away from it. Um, you know, when it oh, sorry, go on. Nope, go ahead. When it gets to a point like that, do you feel compelled to add things, you know, because they, they've spent so much time on something? Sometimes, other times, they, they their arguments are just too great that I just sit back and laugh. Um, there have been times where I've had the party split up, and it's or not meaningly split up, but it's been like two against two, and they're sitting there arguing with each other, and they're like yelling at each other in my fucking apartment. Ooh, sorry. No, you can say this is a weed podcast, <laughs> man. There's no way we're uh, like we're we have to tag ourselves as like adult content anyway. So you can okay. say the f word. But yeah, like, they'll be sitting there arguing and, like, yelling at each other in my apartment, and I'm just sitting there laughing because it was just because of some minor plot points or some minor things that I said that set them off against each other. That's a powerful feeling. Are there any, you know, pieces of advice you would offer yourself, you know, back when you started DMing? Like, what, what do you think was one of the most important things to learn early on? Um, don't be scared to take a break and check the rules. It's a lot easier to take a couple minutes and check the rules than it is to uh, give them an answer and find out later on that you were wrong and try to take that back. Just take a quick break, look through the rules real quick, real quick have everybody go, I don't know, get a drink, go to the bathroom, smoke. Uh, all my players smoke, so it's easy. Just, hey, guys, go, go take your dab <laughs> real quick. I gotta check something. Yeah, I think, you know, something really important about D&D and, like, for and why it's so fun is that you have, like, established a reality and, like, a confine to play within. Um, and, you know, the fun is, like, figuring out how to break the rules without, you know, breaking the box you're playing in. Um, do you have any stories where a player did something, well, besides the door thing, something you were, you know, generally impressed by? Oh. Uh. There's been a lot. I can't pinpoint one. I mean, the general... How, how do your players break the rules? Or circumvent things? Um, well, there was a meme about it a while ago, and I had made the joke about the meme, and my player ended up doing it. So there's a meme where you just summon a bunch of animals and drop them on your enemy from, like, a hundred feet above them. So the weight of the animals plus the falling damage is supposed to just instantly kill them. Like, I had joked about the meme, and then one of my players actually did it. 
and uh, he wasn't very happy when I had to like I let it slide the first time but I told him like I'm only gonna let it go this time for rule of cool but in all reality when you summon those animals it says in the spell that they're summoned as fae spirits is that like summon steed or uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's just uh, summon animal or summon beast something that druids have um, but fae spirits a spirit doesn't have any weight so in all theory. Hold on, you gotta get some like beat applause for that. He he wasn't very happy, but I mean, we we agreed upon it later on. Like I said, I let it rule the first time because rule of cool, as we call it. But, oh, absolutely. Uh, we ruled for later on in the games that we're not gonna allow that, which also means my characters can't do that to him. Ah, and I think that's a really fair boundary to establish, you know, and that sets expectations for everyone involved. That's one of the big things I tell my players. If there's anything they want to do, they have to remember the enemies can do it too. It's like when an enemy has a healing potion in a game. Like, oh, come on! And then, you know, you also have those same opportunities. And I think, you know, that really... You might be not feel like you're on an even playing field, but, like, you know, it's it's like six guys against one person. A lot of times they don't feel like we're on an even playing field they feel like i'm overpowered i'm always trying to kill them but like i never try to kill them and there have been i know that i'm because i'm gonna tell some of them about this uh episode and they're gonna listen to it uh and score new listeners sorry guys but just being honest there's been countless times where like they're about to die and it's like all right i'm just gonna like cut this down and like next hit kills it or something like that because regardless what they think I'm not out to kill them. I have a story I want to tell. And we're only a third of the way through it after two years. I'm not killing them off yet. <laughs> what parts of... Oh, sorry, are you ever tempted to, you know, cut out parts of the story in an effort to, like... You know, you said earlier, like, you've been here for an hour and you haven't opened a door yet. Are there... How do you, how do you deal with, you know, not being able to like info dump and share everything you want to share with people how do you how do you deal with that uh so my world is really like a sandbox world so they can choose where they want to go and um the best pl uh, another good tip when you're setting plot points and stuff like that notes that you really want to give your players don't set them in a specific location just like when you're ready for it to come out have it come out you can just messenger shows up or I have multiple different cities with established NPCs in each of them, and at any point I can just be like, yeah, this NPC, or this NPC. So what kind of world building do you do when you lay out a scene? Uh, in, in what sense? You caught me in the middle of a sip of water. I apologize. Uh, no worries. So if you were talking about, say, you know, a classic one like a like a trail of some sort or the forest. So, what kind of what kind of scenery do you you know what kind of verbiage and language do you use to describe you know the area like the actual location and whatnot? Uh, well, it would depend on where it is. Uh, w one thing I do use a lot of is there's this website called Describe, D S C R Y B, um, and they're a bunch of creative writers and everything who do like uh written prompts for D D and other ttrpgs cool. uh so i go usually go on there and use them for inspiration uh, for ideas on how i want because unfortunately a lot of the stuff that i have in my world doesn't fit their exact stuff and so i'll have to like take a bunch of different prompts and reword them just to get for one passageway mm -hmm. but 
it definitely helps being able to compare other writers uh, descriptions of similar things to help narrow down my descriptions what kind of stuff do you prep beforehand? Obviously there are things like monster encounters, I imagine a character sheet would be involved, but what about, you know, maps and other such uh, gaming accoutrements? Uh, most of the time I do theater of mind. I don't use a map. Um, the only time I really break out the map is when combat is involved, when I'm actually putting down the uh, NPCs or enemies for them to fight. That way they have a uh, idea of where everybody is and where everything's taking place so they can because everything has a uh, distance or range something like that so they can see it instead of having to try and picture it um but other than that it's a little all theater of the mind um but other than that lots of dice lots of dice more than i could possibly need so i've heard a couple dice superstitions um have you heard do you know what training is where you beforehand you put all your dice up on the highest number so they learn how to fall that way and so they're like like so I've never are... done that I do a warm-up and I will sit there and I will roll a die until it hits a high number and then I won't touch it like for the rest of the night no until like session oh like, okay. I'll, I'll sit there and I'll warm the dice up I mean it's no different than charging crystals in moonlight like it's just superstitious yeah, and you know, I think the superstition really adds to that kind of element. Like, there's the game itself, and then there's the culture that builds up around it. Uh, there's a D&D &D movie out. Have you seen it? I have. Oh, what are your thoughts? I saw it, like, one of the first days it came out. Um, yeah, I saw it, actually, the weekend it premiered. Uh, yeah. I loved it. Uh, as somebody who's big into D&D, &D, I can definitely say that it was created by people who know the game and play the game. And... Also, as somebody who's big into D&D, there were some small nitpicky things that I had issues with, but it oh. wasn't anything that made it unenjoyable. Oh, was this rules lawyering, like, or continuity? Look, what kind of stuff did uh, you notice? I can't really say without giving out oh, any spoilers, no and I feel too soon to do that to anybody. Alright, well, okay, we don't have to go into more detail than that, but I have yet to see it. I highly recommend it. It was wonderful. Like I said, there was only minor nitpicky things, but that's just because I'm obsessed with D&D. I wonder what campaign they did. I know Tomb of Horrors is one that gets a name that gets thrown around. Like, Ernest, have you read Ready Player One by any chance? Oh, man. That, it's just... It's the, the book is something. I thought I really liked it when I read it, and I had this niggling feeling that, like, there's something off about this book. And Ernest Klein just kind of info dumps instead of, like, uh, having your Neil Stevenson Snow Crash by any chance. Okay, that's he's another guy that likes to info dump. He does a lot of research, and then he did so much research, he wrote another book about um, video games that's all about, like, those piloting, like, the like Space Invaders type stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, which is called. Nope, I can't remember. It's 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 not coming to me. Armada, Armada, um, and so there's a difference between referencing culture and participating. And what's your how do you participate in like D and D culture when you're not you know actively playing? Um, I listen to a D and D podcast uh, as well as I'm in the Discord for that podcast. Do you want to say um, the name of that podcast? It's We Speak Common. Uh, it's a UK based uh, D and D podcast and. I, I honestly love the community that's based around it. The Discord's wonderful. It's honestly like a great big family. Um, like I've actually 3D printed and sent something overseas to the host of the podcast because he's just that great. Uh, uh, it's a D&D &D prop called the Hand of Vecna. 
Go on. Uh, so Vecna is, a lot of people might know that name from Stranger Things. Uh, he was the bad guy from Stranger Things, but in D&D terms. Uh, he's got two legendary uh, artifacts, which are his hand and his eye. And for a person to attune to said hand, they have to cut off their own hand and put this shriveled up mummified hand into the socket where the hand once was and they'll melt together. Mm -hmm. It turns them evil, but it gives them lots of superpowers or special powers and stuff like that. Um, but it was something that I had printed already and he had seen the one I had and he wanted one. So I 3D printed another one and sent it to him. What? Really? Yeah. I, I was planning on shipping it through UPS, but it was going to be like $300. I had a friend who was traveling overseas to the UK. Nice, nice. So I had them, you know, tuck it away in their bag and just carry it over like a little pack mule. <laughs> There's weed inside the minifig. <laughs> um, so uh, minifigures uh, is something I also wanted to ask you about. You know, when did when did that feel like it you know, needed to become a vital component? Um, August last year when I saw a good deal on a 3d printer and had a bonus from work and decided I'm gonna do it and then I didn't start printing minis until probably January when I picked up a resin printer my second printer uh, didn't even use got the 3d printer and never even printed minis which was the whole reason I got it I needed a second printer for that what did you do with the... So there's filament and then there's resin. What's yes. the difference? Uh, so filament, it comes in a spool and it uh, it's FDM. What it does is it heats up the plastic, it melts it, and then it cools it back down into the design that you want, building it from the bottom up. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, I made a lot of like props for... D uh, I made an axe for a cosplay from Assassin's Creed. I made a belt from Assassin's Creed and then just a bunch of random stuff uh, stuff called flexi models which are print in place they print in one piece but then they'll like move around kind of like this mm -hmm. oh I see okay um, for the viewers that couldn't see this is a this is a dog uh, clicker on a I don't even know what to call this a spring yeah, that that's what I, that's why I just went yeah you know I'm also at a loss for words so okay well uh <laughs> I don't, we're not going to put this in the show notes. You guys will just have to suffer. Um, it, it moves around like it's rubber, basically, but it's all hard plastic. And it's just because of the hinges that it's on. How much time would you say an effort goes into, you know, from the start, like finding a design you enjoyed? You, do you make your designs by I, any chance? I wish I could. My computer is not good enough for that. I can barely run the programs to print as it is. <laughs> I understand. I wish I could play Fallout New Vegas on my lappy. However... Um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of games. So are there any game mechanics you particularly enjoy? Mm, Another way to phrase this, what is your favorite spell in D&D? Or, you know, ones you find particularly helpful? Mm, that's a tough one. I enjoy Mage Hand, especially when I play a gnome, because sometimes I'm small enough to ride the Mage Hand. Mage Hand is wonderful. Um... The, the the chaotic wizard in me wants to say fireball because that is the answer to everything. That's area of effect, right? So yes. it's not just... <sighs> 20 feet foot area, 8d6, and that's at base third level. Every time you increase it, it goes up by 1d6. Yes, it, it gets quite powerful quite quick. Um, 
there's There was a new one that they just added, Silvery Barbs. As a DM, I hate this spell. Yeah? As a player, it is one of the most overpowered and useful spells out there. It is only level one, and it allows you to take advantage away from somebody else, and, or I believe give it disadvantage to somebody and then give advantage to somebody else. Is this like, like, is it a vocal spell? Like it's a reaction spell. Oh, interesting. So when somebody, I believe it was when somebody attacks you uh, and hits you, you can give them disadvantage on that and then take that advantage and give it to somebody else or yourself. Um, I have a spell list on my phone. I could probably pull it up. Yeah, well, no worries if you can't. Um, I also don't know where your phone is. Um, but my DM also edits the podcast, so uh, I guess you got something to watch out for, Justin. Um, he's writing our current campaign. Uh, we are nearing the end of our allotted time. Uh, is there anything else you would like to talk about before we do the sign out? Mm, no, I think that's it. Yeah, well, thank you, Austin, for coming on the show. Where would you like people to find you? Uh, you can find me at Batsassin3D on TikTok. That's B-A-T-S-A-S-S-I-N 3D um, or if you want to look through my old Instagram videos it's batsassin710 B-A-T-S-A-S-S-I-N 710 is that, how did, is that because it says oil upside down? Yes. Okay, I'm just, it cracks me up how numbers became associated with different, you know drugs like there's uh like 420 like oh we're gonna go look for a weed patch at 420 after school and then that just became a weed thing and like people you know grabbed onto it and now it's a global thing i mean probably i mean i don't know about like japan and china and india and stuff like that but uh they probably have their own versions i wonder what their weed number is um yeah but uh <laughs> anyway uh that is all the time we have thanks for listening our theme music is the irish washerwoman as arranged by Maylee charles you can find Potlucky on Apple Music, Google Music, and Spotify. We also have an Instagram page. Feel free to post pictures of your smoking materials and tag me in them at Potlucky Podcast. Like what we do and want to see us grow? Consider supporting us on Anchor.fm. You'll hear from me next week. Austin will be DMing or GMing or possibly even playing. So we're going to say goodbye together. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye.